With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. I'm Molly Wansall. And I'm Geoffrey Wansall. And for the last 16 years or thereabouts, we have been having lunch every Saturday and often our conversation turns to murder. And that's what's prompted us to launch this true crime podcast called Blood Ties. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Blood Ties podcast. I'm Molly Wansall and I'm here with my father, Geoffrey Wansall. Hello everyone, welcome back. Delighted you're there. Hope you're enjoying these podcasts as much as we are doing them for you oh yeah so um uh instagram followers will know yesterday was jeffrey's b-day it was my birthday it was your birthday yes and i put a picture of you on instagram and said (laughs) i said let's have a look here wishing a very happy happy birthday to the man we couldn't do without podcast host extraordinaire and general all-round awesome person jeffrey <laughs> sweet thank you 271 people liked your picture oh crikey and i don't know if you can see all these all these people said happy birthday to you oh my word how how wonderful like 60 people crikey i really enjoyed some of these Happy birthday, Jeffrey! I love your blood ties. Also, my friend does, who I introduced your podcast to. You deserve every special minute. Thank you very much. Very uh, touched. Happy birthday, Jeffrey! You are an absolute boss. <laughs> Don't think of myself <laughs> as that. Happy birthday, Jeffrey! Thank you for all the murder by the sea reruns. I watch them in hotel rooms at two in the morning when I can't sleep. <laughs> well, I suppose that's a compliment. <laughs> this one. Happy birthday, Jeffrey! I hope you bloody live forever, or at least as long as I do, lol. <laughs> oh, crikey. Oh, goodness me. I know. This is extraordinary. Many happy returns, you crime legend. Have a super day. It's extraordinary. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank happy you. Happy for- birthday. I'll enjoy a glass or two of some yummy South Australian wine for you. Good for you. Yes, I quite agree to that. Well, we, I had a... This person asked if your TV shows are available in Australia. I think Britain's most evil and world's most evil are available in Australia, but I don't know about Murder by the Sea. Your lovely storyteller's voice made the darkest days of COVID lockdown more bearable. Oh, so kind. Thank (laughs) you. I'm very, very touched. Mm. Believe me, I try very hard to make what we do. I know it's not always easy material, but I try very hard to make it accessible and at, at least to some extent entertaining because I think that's... The old concept, Lord Reith's concept, when he founded the BBC, and and now sadly disappeared, is that we should attempt to entertain and inform and educate. And I think all of those are what we try very hard to do. True, true. And Uh, also, we've got some new Patreon Patreon. Yes, we must do some. We must do some Patreons. New Patreons. Oh yes. Well, let let me read them out. We've got uh, Mark and Lynn Austin. Well. uh, Hello, Mark. Erica Tinge and Verity Halkett. Is that, I hope that's I've pronounced that correctly. Verity Halkett. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining. And we're going to do a little bit of Patreon. More content. A bit more pa- content because I'm embarrassed we haven't done enough. So we're going to do a bit more. Okay. But not today, probably. Not today. So um, you've been having a busy as ever. 
I've I've been done. I've done. What have I done? Oh, world's most evil killers. Was that on Tuesday, wasn't it? On Tuesday, and um, as I, as Molly's saying, I had my birthday, which is very nice. Went out to lunch. How was lunch? Very good. Did you have the fish pie? I did have the fish pie, but I had uh, Dublin Bay prawns to start with, which were very good. Jeffrey went to a fish restaurant for his birthday. If you can't tell by the um, menu choices, <laughs> no, it was it was a fish restaurant, absolutely. <laughs> Very good and, and among the other things I've done this week is I've finished the last season of Bosch on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. and I've watched the Netflix documentary that we're going to be talking about twice. Twice? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Miles messaged me and asked if I'd heard about the case we're doing today and I said, no, but Jeffrey's on it because yeah. it's on Netflix. But Miles said it's also a podcast. Yes, there is a podcast. Good. Shall we do it? Well, we're going to do it today. Yeah, I know. I mean, shall we do it? Well, like that, right now. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, What do you want to call it? I don't know. I rely on you for that. Well, the, the Netflix documentary is called Sophie, A Murder in West Cork. And I think Murder in West Cork is actually rather a good title. Murder in West Cork is then. And it's the, the lady's called Sophie Tuscan Duplantier. Plantier. Where's she from? Uh, she's from France. Plantier. Plantier. She, her maiden name was Bunol. Bunol. B-O-U-N-I-O-L. Very nice. And one of the things that we'll get to, uh, and I recommend the Netflix, there are two documentaries. It's important to get this into context. At the same time, two documentaries have been produced. One by Jim Sheridan for Sky Crime. Mm-hmm. And one for Netflix. The, the Sheridan one, it's important to be aware that the family have asked all of their contributions to be removed. In other words, been a falling out okay. over the family. Whereas the Netflix one, all the family's contributions are in. Okay. And there is a distinction, and I'll, I'll come to it as we go along. The distinction is one casts what you might describe as the the protagonist as having been a victim of the police and the other one casts it almost exactly the opposite okay okay so yep. let's let's begin Sophie Tuscan de Plantier was born on the 28th of July 1957 in Paris um her death has become one of the great mysteries, um, rather like Susie Lamplew or Jill Dando or Bible John, all shows we've done. Um, she was very well, very glamorous. She was well connected. She was a French TV producer who made documentaries and was married to a very significant te- uh, film and television producer, Daniel de Plantier, Duplantier. Um, as I was saying just a moment ago, there are two series, two television documentary series running right now. One produced for Sky Crime and the other for Netflix, and they are both compelling. So let's begin at the beginning of this story. Sophie was clearly having quite a hard time in her marriage. Her husband was very high profile 
very glamorous. And she was a, a, a regular visitor on the, the red carpet. I'm looking her up so yeah. I can get a visual. Get a visual. Um, but in 1993, she decided that she'd buy a little house in West Cork. Now, West Cork, for those who don't know, if you look at Ireland and you've got sort of Dublin on the east coast and you go down to Cork and then you go inland towards the sea, West Cork is a very significant place because it's very, in many ways, rather um, like the French Riviera. It has nice climate. It's um, very welcoming. And everybody knows everybody else. And she bought a house in a little village called Skull. S-C-H-U-L-L. I'm looking up West Cork. That's okay. Um, West Cork. Essentially, if you fly to Cork and drive south or south-west. Is that where it went on around the when the horse-drawn caravan? Yes. There or thereabouts. Is that where Inch Beach is? I uh, don't know. Look okay. Anyway, she... Back in 1993, she decided that she would purchase a little holiday home there where she would disappear from time to time away from the bright lights of Cannes or Paris, away from, well, um, her husband was a great friend of the president, Giscard d'Estaing, away from the glamorous life. And she liked it. She uh, worked alone. She sat in her little study and had a view of the the fields it was very isolated i mean it was a completely isolated little home up a long drive there was one other house nearby owned by a man called alfie lyons but basically it was plonked in the middle of nowhere i mean it's a very desolate wild community and everybody knows everybody else it's one of those it's it's a tiny village surrounded by countryside not far from the sea and well i mean they they call them that locals call outsiders blow-ins they 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 blow in and then they blow out again um uh, now it's important too to remember that Sophie was actually the mother of a child called Pierre by her first marriage. Okay, Danielle was her second marriage. And Pierre was um, 14 in 1996 when this story takes place. But he was living at that moment with his father, with his stepfather in Paris. Sophie had flown in on the 20th of December 1996 to spend a few days in her house before going back on the 23rd to Paris to spend Christmas with the family. It was... I mean, she had no enemies in West Cork and West Cork never had murders. I mean, it was... uh, Murder was unheard of. I think the last murder in West Cork was 100 years earlier. I mean, we're not talking about Brooklyn or, uh, you know, the, the hard streets, the mean streets. We're talking about a farming community who just never have anything violent. I mean, the worst thing that happened is the cow's not right. You know, it's not. Anyway, 
On the night of the 21st into the 22nd, sorry, the night of the 22nd into the 23rd of December, it was a Sunday night into Monday morning, and later on the Monday she was due to fly home from Cork to Paris. In the about 10am, her body was found outside her cottage in a lane. The cottage was set into a hill, and there was a lane that ran down towards the, sort of the nearest bit of civilization. She was wearing um, a sort of tank top, long johns, and a pair of boots with a sort of built-in uh, sock thing. Um, she'd been severely beaten, um, among other things, with a concrete block which was found nearby. There was blood on the block. Jesus. There was blood on the iron gate. Um, no one heard anything. You're going to tell me this. Yeah, <laughs> Well, to be honest, no, no one did. Um, the, she was discovered at about 10 o'clock in the morning of the 23rd, lying on the side of the road. And it now becomes important because she was found, in a sense, almost caught on some briars, really thick, old-fashioned briars with long, really long prickles. Mm -hmm. um, she had been... I, the only thing you could say is that she's been so severely beaten that it was very difficult to recognise her. Um, now, now becomes the more complex element of this story. Not far away lived a British-born, in fact, Manchester-born British journalist called Ian Bailey. Or now he was in Ireland, he called himself Ion Bailey, E-O-I-N, rather than E-N-I-A-N. But one way or another, he's a British journalist who's living um, with his girlfriend, Jules Thomas. Um, and is everybody's prime suspect for who might have committed this dreadful crime. Because, not least, he has a record of beating up his girlfriend. Um, although she never presses charges, she has been to, she's been hospitalised once. The Garda, the Irish police, we shall call them the Garda because it's easier, um, arrest Bailey. And Bailey insists... Based on what evidence? Uh, I'm coming to that. Um, he insists he has nothing to do with it. And there is no forensic evidence, whatever, tying him to uh, the body. Indeed, he insists he's never met Sophie. Although, as time passes, a lot of people arrived saying, actually, he had met Sophie. In fact, they introduced them or they saw them speaking to each other. Never mind. Now, let's give you a bit of background about Bailey. Bailey is a... Kind of, I think it would be fair to call him a lost soul. He'd had a bit of a career in Fleet Street. He worked for a time with the, at the Sunday Times with the Insight team. He liked to think of himself as a bit of an investigative journalist. But times hadn't gone awfully well, and, and he'd met Jules, and Jules happened to have this cottage, and, and he, had, he had this idea that he was a poet. He was an Irish poet. He's going to make him become an Irish poet. So he leaves um, London 
and sets up in Jules's house in West Cork, near Skull. Now, he, he's, not, he's not doing awfully well, but nevertheless, the murder of Sophie Duplantin, Plantier, is, well, it's a story. So he immediately starts selling stories to the Irish papers. Um, Why hasn't he been uh, arrested? Oh, no, before, he was, before he's arrested. And then after he's released. Ah, uh, OK. Yeah, OK? Yeah. So he immediately starts selling stories to the local papers. The thing is, they seem to be rather better informed because the police haven't released certain details of these of the killing. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I get so it. Um, the stories are all very. It's a French woman. I mean, within you know twenty. Well, within two and a half hours of the body being discovered, he's already filed the first of the reports. You know, um, identifying her as, um, or at least he's alerted the paper, the Sunday Tribunal. Uh, that it's a French woman. Now, this makes a lot of people extremely suspicious. How come he knows so much about it when he doesn't know and nobody's told him? He doesn't even know the woman. So, we, as I said at the beginning, West Cork's a very beautiful and close-knit community. It's important to remember, too, that Sophie had not been as sexually assaulted. She'd simply been killed. Um... She was a regular around that bit of Ireland since 93. Um, and her long johns, the long johns she was wearing when she was found, were caught on the barbed wire near the briars. She'd obviously been pushed around. Major blunt force tra trauma. It looked as though, I mean, we are talking about a, a, pretty, a pretty rural police force. It, and we're not talking about the behavioural science unit here. We're talking about the local inspector. But it, to them, looking at it, it looked as though she'd started to run away from the cottage down the hill, in other words, looking for help. And someone had caught up with her and uh, beaten her around the head. Um, there's, there was no obvious forensic evidence it's in the Garda were to be criticised for a bit of a, how can I put it politely, a bit of a ham-fisted investigation. Um, well, I think you can forgive them a lot of that because it, to their mind, they had the obvious candidate. You know, a man who's assaulted women, lives nearby, seems to know an awful lot about it what's you know if you're them what's not to like um uh, in fact in uh some years after the killing four or five years after the killing it, um, bailey was convicted of um, assault in the skibbereen district court so to some extent you can understand what they thought um uh, he'd he'd had uh he was examined by a psychiatrist, talk about Bailey now, um, who called him a narcissist as well as an egocentric and impulsive. And he also has, and I quote, a great need for recognition. So you have a beautiful, glamorous French television documentary maker who clearly needs a space to herself, 
who is beaten over the head in darkness on a rural lane in West Cork. Um, somebody once said of Bailey, and I think it's um, a good quote, he said, he's a man who likes a certain amount of notoriety and a bit of self-publicity. However, Bailey firmly denied knowing Sophie, um, even though he'd been arrested in, uh, he was arrested for hurting Sophie, uh, hurting Jules on a number of occasions. Um, there were all sorts of claims and counterclaims. Bailey said was told of the murder at 20 to 2, the body having been found at 10, but others say he was telling them about it, uh, the murder of a French woman before noon, and some allege they were offered crime scene photos by Bailey. Um, that was that's simply an allegation. It's never proved. Um, Bailey wrote a string of articles about the killing, alleging, and I think this is where it gets murky, that Sophie had had multiple partners um, and uh, who were often attend visiting her in her cottage, and uh, he directed the attention towards her husband, and lovers in France. Again, I'll leave that. It's quite, it's quite tricky for somebody who hadn't been there before to, like, unannounced get themselves to Skull or wherever it was. No, it seems a bit much to... Well, uh, uh, let me tell completely you. Completely, uh, like, to go unseen in a place that's so small. Yes, unseen. And it's also an extraordinarily complicated drive from Cork Airport. Yeah, I would have thought so, yeah. It's a very complicated. It's just, and you just and if they if if all the local people know each other, if there's a blow in, they all see them. It's not yeah. like you can't go you can't sort of I mean, I suppose you could come in the night time, but again, it'd be well, so tricky to find. How would you find it? Yeah. I mean, one guy um who was interviewed, uh, I think from the Irish Times said it took him 40 minutes to find the cottage once he'd got to Skull. Mm. You know, you're not going to just... You're not, got G, not on GPS. You mm -hmm. know, not, uh, it, it, the thought of an outsider arriving... The hitman... There was sort no of, Google Maps back in 1996 either. No, no, no Google Maps. Um, and so the, the guard are quite rightly cross-examined Bailey at some length. And Bailey said, well, I, I did some work on for her neighbour, Alfie Lyons, but uh, who pointed her out to me across the way. And, but uh, no, I never met her. Um, no, don't know anything about it. There were conflicting accounts of where he was on the night in question, the 22nd into the 23rd of December. Originally, his girlfriend, Jules, said he'd been in bed with her all night long. But after originally telling the police that Bailey had been in bed with her all night. She then changed the story and said he'd got up at one point around 11pm and come back the following morning at 9am to bring her breakfast. At this point, Bailey changed his story to say that he actually got up at about 4am to, quote, write a story for 30 minutes in a little adjacent building which he used as a sort of study. 
He said, <laughs> there, are, there are so many wonderful bits to this story. A, a local woman called Marie Farrell <laughs> said she saw a man on a bridge not far from Sophie's cottage, although not right beside it, at about three o'clock in the morning. And she said it was Ian Bailey. Bailey said it wasn't me. She insisted it was. Then, over the next period of months, because there's no evidence to arrest Bailey, Bailey is said to have told a 14-year-old called Malachi that he did know uh, um, Sophie. Um, but he fiercely denied um, that allegation later well Marie Farrell and the kind of what you might describe as circumstantial evidence doesn't compel the uh, director of public prosecutions in Ireland uh, to proceed with a case against Bailey there is an added complication that Mary Farrell, when she says she saw this man on the bridge, was um, out with a man to whom she wasn't married, and she refused to name him for fear of her marriage and her children. So you can see that this becomes an ever more complex because Bailey starts to insist, or at least suggest, that he's being um, hounded by Garda, that, that they've got it in for him, that he's nothing to do with it, and it's it, absolutely not the case. He also threatens all kinds of legal action against all manner of people. Um, and believe it or not, in 2015, Mary Farrell retracts her statement and says, oh, no, I don't think it was. I, no, no. And in fact, she defends Bailey in a case that he, he brought. Now, <laughs> Bailey is nothing if not... In, he has considerable chutzpah. So the more pa papers that insist that he's uh, guilty of the murder of Sophie, he sues them for libel. You you know you say, well he does, he wins two but loses six of the cases. Um, he's still maintaining, absolutely firmly maintaining, that he had nothing to do with it and he didn't even know her. Now, the family, Sophie's family, became absolutely infuriated by this because there was no explanation from the Garda about how their relative had died. And they all point the finger at her husband, Daniel, the television producer and friend of Giscard, President Giscard d'Estaing, because he didn't go to Cork to identify the body. It was a member of her family that identified the body, which was pretty badly beaten up. Mm. Um, but nevertheless, the Buñols, that's her original family, her mum and dad, and they are they're on the Netflix documentary, as is her son, Pierre. 
And in 2007, no, no one is arrested for the crime. Yes, Bailey's been arrested, but no one's been charged. Bailey has been released. All kinds of legal cases, libel actions, the, the lot. And in 2007, the Buniel family, led by Pierre and um, an aunt and her parents, begin what is effectively a society for prosecuting whoever killed Sophie Duplantier. But they don't know who it was. Well, they think they do know who it was. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, now, under French law, it, a, a French citizen who is killed anywhere in the world can be tried in France. So anybody guilty of, or potentially guilty of killing somebody French? Of a French citizen. French citizen. Yeah, can be tried in France. In France, okay. And in 2009, the family wanted to progress the investigation into Sophie's death. I mean, it's now been 14 or 13 years since she died. And in February 2010, a European arrest warrant was granted in France to allow and ask for Bailey's, Ian Bailey's extradition to France to stand trial for murder. The High Court agreed. The High Court in Ireland agreed. But Bailey appealed to the Supreme Court, who rejected the extradition request, and Bailey remained in Ireland. He was arrested again in March 2017, but again avoided extradition. But in 2018, the French authorities decided there were grounds to try him in absentia. The French court convicted him on the 31st of May 2019 of the murder of Sophie and sentenced him to 25 years in prison for the voluntary homicide of Sophie, Dupl Sophie Duplantier. But in October last year, 2020, the Irish High Court ruled that he did not, could not be extradited and shortly afterwards, the government decided not to appeal the High Court's decision. They said they didn't recognise French law. So here you have a man living in Skull, uh, convicted of murdering someone in Skull, in absentia. By the French. By the French. And still... He still lives there. He still lives there. And he still he has a pizza stand in, in the market and writes poems. Ugh. He is an eccentric character, but he is nevertheless, um, uh, you know, an extraordinary case. Um, everybody, you know, the, the, all kinds of rumours. There was one alleged lover of Sophie's who had absolutely rock solid. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. 
I was in France at the time of the killing, you know, there was, um, all sorts of rumours swirled around what happened and did, uh, one explanation was someone lost her temper, you know, made a pass at her and she rejected it and she was running away and someone lost their temper and ran down the hill after her. The honest truth is we we probably will never know. But there was a there was no question that, that Bailey was a big man. I mean, strong, tall. Do you think he did it? Yeah. Do I? I think it's... Given the nature of the place and given the nature of the community and given Bailey's appetite for um, self-publicity, it's that's why I think the, the, the documentaries are so fascinating. Did you watch both or just a Netflix one? I've only watched the Netflix. I can't get the other one at the moment. Mm. I've been trying to. Um, but the other one works on the assumption that it was a Garda cock-up, and that they were they were that because they'd made a mess of the investigation when it first happened. They were they they wanted a suspect, and Bailey was their man, um, which slightly discounts Mary Farrell. Um, but Mary Farrell ch changed her mind, and only years later did she identify who she'd been in the car with that night at three o'clock in the morning. And he, of course, by that point was dead. Um, so it's 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 a wonderful, true murder mystery, mm. with wonderful te with tentacles everywhere. Yeah, you know did, did, who who might have done it? Did it? Was it a mysterious hitman? Was it somebody we've never thought of? Or, or it's like it, a it's it's like a uh, fiction. It is, and yet it really did happen in West Cork. Yet it's real life. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful. Uh, it's a good story. I'll check out the doc. Yeah, I do, I do recommend it. Um, and it also gives you much more flesh in the bones. All I can do is tell the bones you know, the, the bones of the story, but it gives you real flesh because you can see the people. I mean, to be fair... They don't interview Ian Bailey, do they? Oh, yes. Oh, so he talks a lot? A lot. He's got something to say for himself. Oh, really? God, imagine if he actually did murder her and then he's talking about it on thing. I just, you know me, I can't be doing with that. I don't know how you do it, live with that. You well, perhaps he's just in complete denial, or perhaps think, he didn't do it. I think you, I think you get sick in you get sick in the body, in the mind, if you um, do stuff like that. But there he's still he's still sitting in skull, still selling pizzas, down. still selling pizzas and poems. I'm starving, if you, so don't let's if not you, talk if about you, pizza. If you want to, you know, if you, I think he does sells pickles as well, and um, and writes poems for you. You get a poem with a pizza. Well. There's some wonderful film of him in wearing most eccentric clothes and in the in the town square of Skull. I sounds like a right old ball. <laughs> it's a, it's a. Oh, he hasn't been convicted in Ireland, and he hasn't been extradited. Wow, oh, we. Mind you, if if he were to leave Ireland, he could be extradited. He, he could be extradited. So yes. he's never leaving. I don't think we'll find him leaving. Never the only perhaps a little cold. tail point to this is that in April. This year, 2021, um, uh, Jules finally had enough of him and set they separated. I don't know if she stayed with him for that long. Poor old She Jules. was a Welsh artist with a house in Ireland. Oh. It's got, it's got, it's got, it's got every eccentricity you could possibly want. True, it's it? a good one. It's got 
It's, it's wonderfully puzzling. You know, it, it, you're asking me quite reasonably, do I think Bailey did it? I, I've got about as little idea as I can imagine. I mean, You said yes, so I think you do. I, you know, I think your gut tells you. Maybe, but on the other hand, you know, you can't convict somebody of murder on gut alone, can you? No, true. Uh, but it's not going to be an outsider. It's just not possible. It doesn't feel it's like got an to outsider. be someone local. It well, ha- just has to be. Yeah, I think that's a fairly point. I that's think. a fair point. Which is why the finger of suspicion points at Bailey all the time. Also, those kind of brutal murders like that usually are somebody you know. Yeah. You don't want to do that to someone you don't. No, I don't want to do it to anyone. But it's no. a crime of passion in some way. Yes. Well, there is a defence in French law of a, cri- a, a crime know, of yeah. passion. Um, but that's something... Well, I don't mean it like that, though. I mean it more of kind of, you know, sounds like a sort of raising of the blood type situation. Yeah, it, it feels to me like um, an outbreak of rage. Yeah, that's what I you mean. You know, you re- you've rejected me. Uh, I'm just going to take it out on you. You're running away and I'm going to... Mm. But it's an odd time of the day to do it. I mean... Did, you get, did he get up at 11 o'clock in that, that night or did he get up at 4 o'clock? I mean... We don't know. We'll we don't never know. know. And, um, and Jules, to be fair, insisted that she believed he was innocent all the way through. You'd have to. Hmm. You'd have to. Yeah. Otherwise, you've got, you've got to go. Okay, well, that, that, darling, is the murder in West Cork. Murder in West Cork. Thanks, Dad. I think it's I think it's a super story. It's a good one. That's a good one. It is absolutely um, wonderful. Nice. So what what uh, what's in store this coming week? What what wonderful things have we got? I'm doing the Crime Con Book Club. Oh, Crime Con Book Club. What book are you doing? I'm doing a book called Blood in the Water. Blood in the Water, which is about a killing in Nova Scotia, in Canada. Oh, I'm a fan of all of that. Um, Whole kind of vibe. It's a very uh, and it's a it's a very interesting book actually because and very well written. The, the guy who wrote it died shortly after finishing it, but um, uh, it's about a, a very specific community, the Acadian community. What's that and like? Amish, sort, Amish. sort of, sort of. But and it's uh, <laughs> those closed communities are often a bit. Yeah, and it's about a sort of Robin Hood figure um, who steals from the rich and gives to the poor, who ends up being killed. Nice. It's a, it's a very interesting book. Um, and I've got another one, which I'm going to do a bit later, um, called The Mind of a Murderer by Dr. Richard Taylor, um, which it arrived, um, uh, the paperback arrived this week. And I think it's it's very good. He's a forensic psychologist, and it's, uh, it's just the kind of book that you ought to do with that sort of crime con book club. Um, otherwise, what else am I doing this week? I'm reviewing i'm doing some more reviewing as ever i'm no no um no world's most evil this week no got a week off got a week off you've got a week off yes yeah i tell you it's, that some of them are <laughs> some of them can, can get quite complicated especially the multiples hold on a second hold on a hold on a second What's i knew that? it so that book the Mind of a Murderer by Dr. Richard Taylor We've is recommend- the book that Mike, Mike, he's represented by my colleague at work. And we, he, you remember, I said to you, 
So yes. we need to promote it. And you said we should do him on the book club. Well, that's what we're doing. And it's happening without me having to orchestrate it. Yeah, there you go. Even though I'm in the process of orchestrating it and talking to his publicist. Well, then tell them that it's done. Thank goodness everything's joined up. Yeah, we've got joined up the dots. Oh, that's so funny. Okay, Brillo. Yeah, I think it's good. Excellent. Oh, very good, very good. Okay. Reduces my workload. Good. Takes one thing off my plate. Yes, excellent. The uh, Always good. Haven't heard back from the people who might want to republish uh, my West book, but we no doubt will soon. Well, I follow up with them. We, we sent them. I sent them a page outline about 10 days ago. They're all quite happy. But they were very positive. Good. These things um, tend to take a minute. Other, otherwise, um, no, it's a, I've got to do something for the Daily Mail about... Um, I think we're doing books, you know, the kind of, kind of book podcast. Summer read? Oh, podcasting. Oh, something like that. Anyway, I, I, I haven't really got my head around it yet. I only got the request yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, no. I'm happy. I'm I'm now older, of course. Yes. Mm. You're older but happy. Older but still rolling I along. I phoned Jeffrey yesterday and said happy birthday and he said, I don't know where all the years have gone. Well, I don't know where they've gone. <laughs> where have they gone? <laughs> It's more extraordinary. <laughs> all of a sudden, you turn round and you, you, they're all behind you, mm-hmm. and you, you look round in a rather sort of bemused way. Where are they? Where they've gone to? I think I haven't done any. Haven't done all the things I planned. Well, actually, no, I don't think that. Okay, well, that's good. I think I've done most of the things. I don't. I don't want to discover a new city or go to <laughs> Antarctica or. Thanks very much. No, uh, no, that's not really. I don't. Your I don't. You know, I don't want to go camping for the first time in my life. No. No. Definitely not. No, I'd, I'd like doing podcasts. Okay, well, that's... That's good fun. Good. And, uh, well, no, fun's not the right word, but it's very, I find it very interesting and, and such a wonderful audience to talk to as well. I think that's extra special. Very true. On that note, thank you very much to all the people that help us, our producer, Sam Brain, my brother, Dan, who did the music, my friend, George, who drew our caricature, to Audio Boom for hosting us, to Jeffrey for all of his hard work and happy birthday. And to you, the listeners. Yes, I, I heartily agree with that. Thank you. Without you, the listeners, we would be nothing. Zero. And I'm so grateful to you for being with us. And uh, if you think of dear Sophie, who died at the age of just 39, in the middle of a rural island, after having been hit brutally on the head with a concrete block, do please be careful out there.